0: We had a barn burner in the pre-tournament between Canada and USA. We'll talk about a lot more, including Connor Bedard and Trevor Zegras scoring a Michigan on the same night. All that's coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects.
1: You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects ready for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. and on today's show, we'll start off by talking about the Canada-USA barn burner we had uh, in the pre-tournament. It was a 6-5 overtime win for uh, Lane Hudson and Team USA. We'll talk about how that went down, who scored, who didn't, who played well, who did not. And get into all that in our first segment. In our second segment, we'll talk about some World Juniors overagers that could get drafted in the 2024 NHL draft. Talk about a couple prospects who have lined themselves up for a good shot at the draft um, after being passed over last year or even maybe the year before. Um, and then we'll end things off with Connor Bedard and Trevor Zegras scoring a Michigan on the same night. How that fares for the future of NHL offense and also... Why is it that prospects are so good at doing this now when, you know, this is a move you never saw in the NHL before, and now it seems like at least five, six, seven times a year we see a player score in Michigan. So we'll get into all that on today's show. Before we get into any of that, just remember to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. If you're watching on YouTube and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. Um, so let's get things started with Canada and USA. The six-five overtime win from USA, and who else to score the game winner, the game winner in overtime than the short king himself, Lane Hudson? Right.
1: Indeed, he played a pretty pretty solid game hockey uh, from what I caught. I, I think I watched like a period and a half of the game, so I didn't catch the entire one as you did but uh i i really enjoyed watching watching this game it was a lot closer and tighter and more like well thought than I'd ex- i was expecting going into the game because again that that american lineup is just really really impressive and uh outright dominant on the yeah. surface uh so if canada can play this tile of hockey against the states during the tournament it's going to be a lot closer than i expected which is a great thing for everyone who loves competitive hockey So, uh, yeah, no, it was definitely a very fun game, but you definitely saw the high skill players stand out and really show their flair. Like Will Smith had a tremendous assist. We saw Ryan Leonard really, really make his mark so far. And again, Lane Hudson was really the commanding presence from the blue line. The amount of stretch passes he hit like on target and of course his overtime winner were really, really, really nice. So, uh, very solid start to a tournament. So fingers crossed it keeps going like this.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, Lean Hudson for me was the star of this game, even though he, he was mainly playing third pair minutes because, you know, it's a pre-tournament game and you don't want him to get injured too early. Um Within, you know, within one of his first shifts, he just gets rid of Nate Danielson, uh, who was pressuring him in the defensive zone, um, gets rid of him with a cutback and then just opens up a passing lane that no one else saw. He just bombed the puck up the ice tape to tape. Um, on to Quinn Finley stick for a breakaway and a goal. It was one of the best passes I've seen at the world juniors. It was just, I mean, the accuracy, the the, the, the amount of, of dexterity it takes to hit that lane and just to see it alone. I mean, no one could see that coming. And yeah, that was his first goal. And then th- th- that was the first uh, point he got. And then the second point he got was the overtime winner, where again, he got rid of Nate Danielson with a cutback, um, skated it up the ice, lost the handle, uh, Owen Beck got the puck, but then quickly got stripped by Lane Hudson. That was a hab on hab crime, and then Lane Hudson just just walked in, um, kept the puck on his forehand, curled it, and shot at top corner. Um, I, I like the way Lane Hudson uses his options as as threats to keep space as as accessible for him as possible. Um, but beyond Lane Hudson, I thought Ziv Buym had a fantastic game. Um, again, I, I, I have yet to see a shift from Ziv Boyum in this pre-tournament that I didn't like. He, he's just, he's so wriggly. And I think that's just, it's such a great skill to have. And it's hard to really describe. He's just wriggly. Like you try, you try to pressure him. He'll just like walk through you. It's like, he's covered in butter. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, and yeah, the, the whole defense overall, I think with USA is a really offensive minded defense. Um, even Eric Polkamp, I've seen a lot more offensive dare from him. I've got I've seen a lot of really good flashes from him in terms of his hands, his ability to move through pressure. So like the defense is already offensive minded. And they add on top of that, the ridiculous offensive lineup they have. Um that game particularly, I thought the Smith Leonard Perot line um, carried a lot along with Gavin Brindley and Frank Nazar. I think those, those two are pretty good, but I wasn't as impressed with the Carter Gauthier, Jimmy Snuggerud, um, that, that line wasn't really all there. I think Oliver Moore was doing a lot of the heavy lifting on that line, but Carter Gauthier did not impress me. Snuggerud had some good flashes, but it wasn't really going in for him like that. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Cutter Goche especially had a really rough game in that one. He was putting everything on that. Nothing was going in. He was getting frustrated. So it's like, yeah. But what's so impressive with USA is they have so many lines that can damage you, right?
1: Yeah. That that that's the thing. They don't need their top line to be on the ball every single game in order to be the favorites, which is yeah. why it's such a high-end lineup. And of course, we're going we're going to expect a bit more like of star star worthy performances from that top line as, mm-hmm. as the tournament progresses, but the fact that they didn't even need them to be Canada uh, is definitely telling and if that if those players come to play as the tournament continues, it's going to get all the more difficult for every other team that's going to be yeah, present. Absolutely.
0: absolutely. Uh, but moving on to Canada, I thought Macklin Celebrini was honestly the best player for Team Canada at this game. Um, scored two goals. One should have been denied and, and got denied another goal, which shouldn't have been, which is weird. It was, it's pre-tournament. Um, it was really fun watching him just, um, quite honestly, like full kicking motion, the puck into the net um and it's a pre-tournament so no one really cares but Jacob Fowler does the goaltender for Team USA he immediately was like he immediately pointed to the to, to the ref like hey that's a kicking motion and it's like someone tell this kid that it's a pre-tournament <laughs> like, like I love him so much Jacob Fowler is so competitive but yeah Celebrini scored that goal um later on he kind of did a shot pass which went off to Seamus Casey's stick and into the top corner um, and the third goal, the one that got denied, was a um, really just broken play. The puck kind of bounced in front of the net, uh, and he kind of like tapped it with the bottom of his stick, but his stick was above the goal, the the, the, the post. Well, supposedly, from the angle of where, where it was, like the impact was probably below it. But again, pre-tournament, no game reviews. It is what it is. Uh, but yeah, Sabrini was all over the place in this game. He was forechecking hard, recovering pucks, um, doing a lot of damage off the rush, as we know we can do um and yeah this could be a very very good tournament for him and especially i mean he probably should not have been playing in this game after what he did in the last one um just yeah. full-on hit from behind on a player and uh for, for switzerland and yeah that probably should have been a suspension but they ended up not suspending him and yeah the the the, the upside of that is that we got to see him against team usa but yeah probably shouldn't have been right
1: yeah. Yeah. For sure, it was, a, it was a pretty ugly hit. Like it was straight into the numbers, and then head into the boards. Like it was yeah. dangerous. It had every checkmark that you look for, especially among like double IHF suspensions and what they typically require to to, to make a decision like that. Yeah. Uh, if we're looking at the precedent, celebrity definitely should have been suspended here, but he wouldn't be suspended for that play in the NHL, probably. So it's yeah. like.
0: Yeah, yeah. And even then it's uh, if some of those hits get suspended some don't. I mean it's just it's a mess right now the NHL team it, running this from behind.
1: And they should be suspended. Like it yeah. was a dangerous play that you should crack down on. Uh but yeah, it it's hockey. It's never uh, quite black and white as much as they might uh, say that it is. Yeah. But uh you know, uh, you live and you learn. I'm sure Team Canada fans aren't overly disappointed by by the verdict. Mhm. Absolutely. Either
0: way, um, I think also on defense, Denton Matejcik had a fantastic game for Canada. I think that for was sure. like one big standout. And in goal, um, they switched out between Samuel Saint-Silaire and Matis Rousseau, both of the uh, overage QMJHL goaltenders that um, were, were retained for this roster. And um, I really thought that Samuel Saint-Silaire was a bit more stable, a bit more reliable in that. And I think between the two, we might just end up seeing Saint-Silaire as the as the, the bona fide backup behind Scott Ratzlaff. but time will tell. Um I, I just really think that you know it it, it it would be really good to go with the hot hand. I didn't really like Matsis game too much. He seemed a bit un unreliable at times, it was you know gifting up rebounds and you know going into the corners for for retrievals with a bit of hesitance and some of that I was a lot more decisive, even though both of them allowed the same amount of goals. I thought that was a lot more decisive in that game, which for me is just—it's so important at the World Juniors to just not hesitate at all, because like it's going to be a tournament of bounces, right? So you need your goaltender to be—you know—if if you're going to make a mistake, make it, make it with your chest. You know what I mean? Like it's just. that's what you'd rather see from a goaltender. But that wraps things up for our first segment. We'll talk about which World Juniors overagers could get drafted in the 2024 NHL draft. We'll talk about a hot name from uh, Finland who's playing on the first pair. We'll talk about a couple of
1: Canadian players um, and a couple more right after these messages from our sponsors. All righty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll talk about
0: uh, the World Juniors overagers that could get drafted in the 2024 NHL draft. We'll focus on overagers. So obviously all the draft eligibles, the Zeev Boyams, the Macklin Celebrini's constantly, like we we know these guys, but I want to focus on some guys that aren't too well-known Um, But could very well be uh, drafted in the 2024 NHL draft, especially after the seasons they've been having so far, and especially if they have a really good World Juniors tournament. Scouts don't like to admit it, but this tournament counts for a lot, doesn't it?
1: It does. I mean, I think with every scout, you get slight variances in just how much weight they put on, on it, uh, and that is mainly philosophical, I think. Like, I think you put a bit more weight on it than I do, personally. I look mm-hmm. at it as an opportunity to, to see them all in the same playing field and and try to uh, find links between what I'm seeing in their respective league tapes and in this one tournament where they're they're all present. But and I know that you personally put a lot more weight into just like how important it is for players to take a step up in this tournament if they are draft eligible.
0: Yeah, I mean it depends on a lot of factors, but I'd say the main two things I look for is first the ability to to step things up when it matters the most, and this tournament matters. Every scout is there, and like that pressure, like the players know it, right? So I think this is an important tournament in order to see how players handle that pressure. Um, and also the other the other side of it and, and why I think this tournament is important is that you get to see players at levels where they aren't too good or too bad for, for the player for the level they're playing at. You know, like I'm excited to see Adam Yerchek at this tournament because Yericek, he's he's punching him up his head right now. Like he he's not playing at a level where he's comfortable. And I think that leveling the playing field here is really important. Because it allows me to see what Adam Mirchek can do against his age group, which is really what matters at the end of the day. You know, as much as it's great to see a player excelling against men, it's not always going to be the case. And oftentimes it's a case of players not being developed physically or, you know, not being used to the style of play at the men's level and needing time to adapt to it, needing maturity. So I think Adam Mirchek specifically is, is a great case study for this because... Yeah, like he's playing against men in Czechia is not comfortable at all, and it's kind of stuck at that level. So it's just like, what does he do against his own age group? And I think that that can that can be taken into consideration. That can influence draft rankings because I think people look at the body of work at at the league level and just kind of use that as a be all end all because there's a larger sample size. But larger sample size does not mean that like. You're not going to get influenced by the by the score sheet or not. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's there there are a lot of factors that can influence your decision negatively or positively. And I think one of the bigger ones is like a player just just punching above his head and not being like comfortable at all at this level, and just kind of using that as a basis of like okay, well this player sucked this year, ergo he should be pushed down the rankings. Whereas he's actually having like a good season and has actually improved some areas of his game, but you're not seeing it because like he's he's just way above his head, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think like, to get into the the names of the segment among overagers who perhaps weren't really standouts last year uh, when they were draft eligible the first time around, but have really made their mark this season. There's quite a few uh, at this tournament that are quite interesting. And I think the one that's caught our eyes the most is Jesse Polkinen uh, out of Finland, who's going to be first pair defenseman in all likelihood in this tournament, despite uh, only turning 19 once the tournament already kicks off. Uh, and and being undrafted last year, but he is six foot six, which helps. I think yep. that, that that type of range when you're playing against your own age group is certainly an advantage. Uh, Two hundred seven pounds, but it's the production this season that has really taken a massive leap forward. So last year yep. in forty uh, in, in forty U eighteen finish games, he put up 21, uh, 28 points, and this season in eighteen U twenty games, he's put up twenty eight points, which is a massive progression, and yep. uh, you, you've really seen him take a leap and, and and trust his toolkit a lot more. Now he's not a perfect player by any means. He, he still needs a lot of refining as, as far as lanky defensemen go. There's a reason he wasn't drafted last year. Like there's definitely a lot of work left to do here for him to project as an NHLer. But yeah. this tournament's going to be a great opportunity for him to kind of showcase his tools uh, and really uh, try to, to to set his foot down and make sure that he does end up being drafted this draft. Uh, this year, which I think with that size, that production and the world junior minutes, it's going to be pretty, pretty much a slam dunk case that, that, that he's going to be an overager that is worthy of a draft pick, isn't he?
0: Yeah, I mean, with Jesse and what's so interesting is like, I, I think he has a really good shot of being drafted in the top 64. Like he's been really, really good, and he's bound to catch scout size at this tournament. Like you said, he's going to be playing first, first uh, pair minutes, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of the things that scouts like, at least at the NHL level, um, that you get from Pulkin. And it's not just his size; it's the ability to close gaps, it's the physicality, it's the um, the composure under pressure. Like there have been some really good strides in this game in that area, but I think the same of Owen Allard. Um, who's at a point of game pace with the Sioux Greyhounds so far in the OHL, and um, is one of the older players at this tournament. 6'2", 200 pounds, going to be playing bottom six minutes. Um, but the goalie scored for Canada at the pre-tournament game against USA, just showcases exactly why um, teams might like him. He's he's a he's a clutch bottom sixer who's going to do the right things to put the puck in the net, which is like. You hear scouts talk at the NHL level, and that's like this is exactly like this is exactly what they want, you know. Um, the goalie he scored; he just stuffed the pad like seven times, just outworked everyone down low, in a pre-tournament game. Like he has a point to prove, and he and he tries to do that every time. And yeah, I, I think I think a team will almost definitely look a, take a look at Owen Lard at this tournament, and also his body of work in the in the Sioux and also the bloodlines i mean he has a father and two brothers that that play hockey and and played fairly well um and they'll take a look at that entire kind of body of work and be like yeah well we're gonna we're gonna take a late round flyer on him so i wouldn't be surprised to see him drafted at all um outside of that for canada i think Saint-S2 or rousseau could get drafted i don't think both do but one of them very much very well might um of the two goaltenders, I think St. Solar is the most likely. Like I said, he was a lot more reliable in this pre-tournament, and I think he gets a cut. Um, and if he gets into some games, especially if Scott Raslaff is having a couple stinkers, that kind of stuff, and he sees some more regular ice time and kind of takes the, the the Team Canada net by storm, I think it's very likely that we see him get drafted. Um, but there's another goaltender you push for on this list, uh, Sam Hillibrand, right?
1: Yeah, I think he he's he's interesting enough to to kind of note here. He's not going to really get much playing time with the states with uh Trey Augustine and Jacob Fowler blocking the crease yeah. in front of him. But being being the last invite uh among goaltenders is still a vote of confidence. And mm-hmm. he's one of very few undrafted players that 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 the states um uh, invited to the tournament. And I think that that while yeah, he's not going to exactly be showcased for a draft slot. Uh, in yeah. this tournament because of who's in front of him in the crease. I do think that he'll be worthy of a draft pick in the late rounds.
0: Oh, for sure. The other name would be Domin- Dominic, Ramon uh, for Czechia. I think that he's yeah. uh, bound to have a really good tournament. He's been really, really good in the WHL. Um, He's well over a point a game, and, yeah, I've noticed him f- a fair bit of time in the WHL. I haven't really focused too much on him because there's so many draft eligibles to focus on the WHL, but um, everything I've gotten of him, he's just been dynamic. He's been active in the offensive zone. He's been kind of pushing the net, um, all the little details you like, and, yeah, he, he's, he's fairly likely to have a really good uh, impact at this tournament and uh, turn some heads, and I think, yeah, with a sixth, seventh-round pick, you can do way, way worse than that. Um, but yeah, that wraps things up for a second segment. Uh, now we'll talk about a couple of Michigan goals scored on the same night. I think this is the first time ever that we had two Michigans on the same night so. in, in the NHL. I don't think, you know, people say oh, it'll never happen again. We'll, we'll talk about it, but I'm pretty sure this will happen again.
1: Uh, we'll get into that after these messages from our sponsors here at Locked On NHL Prospects.
0: Alrighty, so let's get right into it with our third segment. We'll talk about Connor Bedard and Trevor Zegras scoring a Michigan on the same night. Um, yeah, uh, they did it in different ways, which is very interesting. But overall, the Michigan is here to stay. I think this is going to be an NHL, un- unless the NHL like puts a ban on it, which would be very much an NHL move. Um, yeah. But-, but at the same time, like this is a move that has worked so well. Um, but let's focus first on how Bedard and Zegras did it differently. Um, talk me through that. I, I We disagree already on which one's the better one, but let's just focus first yes. on how they did it differently.
1: Okay, well, Trevor Zegers, who was already the master of Michigan uh, in the NHL, of course, pulled another one, uh, which has been the highest speed Michigan that we've seen at the NHL level by a decent margin, uh, yep. if I'm not mistaken. It was really quick, really clean. You barely even notice what happened before it was in the net. Yes. uh whereas the Connor bedard one which is my personal favorite among these two was on his backhand for his first ever michigan goal in the nhl so i i, I was personally more impressed by that as a, as a feat of individual performance than it was mm-hmm. by by tara zegris's goal but uh that one they represented kind of like the the continuation of this craft that you've seen this player like really consistently work on like through the years uh, but w- with Bedard, t- to to be able to pull that off, I mean, what, 30 games into his NHL career on the backhand? It's just like the style points are off the charts with it. I can't not pick it.
0: I get where you're coming from. But Trevor Zegers is like the way he did it was he did it with the toe of his stick on the move, full speed, full motion. And just it seems it seemed like such a natural thing. And it was in like his first game back from injury. Like that's yeah. how he announces his return. Is he just toe pu- toe picks the puck and just like just I don't know how else to describe. He just yeeted it in the back of the net. Like he, he like he did it with such aggression and force. It's like no goaltender was getting to that. Um, yeah. I, I I personally prefer Zegers just because like it's 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 the first like you said the speed at which he did it, but also like. I agree the backhand's difficult. I think the toe of your stick's even more difficult. Like he didn't do it with like the typical like scoop and carry. He like he like picked it with the edge of a, of the toe of a stick and yeah. just threw it in the back of the net. Like you have so much less service area to do that move, right? Like that's it's so tough. Like I I can't vote. We're against supposed-
1: it. We're spoiled for choice here. We get to choose our favorite Michigan of two Michigans that happen on the same night. Like what are yeah. what are we doing here wasting our time arguing? It's like yeah. CR seven versus Messi for the last like twenty <laughs> years where it's like, well, yeah, I think one is objectively better than the other, but can we just appreciate both?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think the better one's messy. Um, so of course, yeah, <laughs> agreed. Yeah, uh, but yeah, let's focus on why this is so important for the NHL. I, I think that the the Michigan is going to revolutionize the way teams play defense in the NHL. Like, as more players, as more skilled players join the NHL, and and more and more young players are able to do this move in the offensive zone. Like, this is the only move I can think of that makes the back of the net such a lethal scoring threat. Like yeah. I, like, yeah, it's a playmaking threat. Like, we've seen it forever with Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky's a, office. Yeah, yep. exactly. Like, Wayne Gretzky made that the, the the engine of the playmaking game in the offensive zone for the longest time. We know how you can use that as a passing opportunity. But, like, the Michigan makes it a goal-scoring threat, which means that teams won't be able to just stick, stay in front of the net and not follow players behind it teams won't be able to just sit back as a player circles the, the back of the net and just kind of block off passing options. Because now the player can score from back there. So now you have to commit a player, you have to commit a defenseman that's going to be comfortable going behind the net and chasing the player so that they have less time, less space to pull off that move, right? And how does that change the offensive formation? What passing opportunities does that open? Like, the thing with, the thing with hockey tactics is... It's like chess. You move one one piece by one, like one square, the entire game can shift. Like it's just, it opens up attacking opportunities that weren't there a second ago. And like, yeah, I'm excited to see what the the, the Michigan does long term for the NHL game. Um, I know John Tortorella is listening to all of this and like actively losing hair, but <laughs> I think this is fantastic for the game. I think this is fantastic for what it does to hockey tactics. And I'm so excited to see where this goes. And, and you know, there are people saying online, like, oh, we're never going to see this again. I think it's just a matter of time before we see, like, three Michigans a night. I think that's more likely than never seeing one again. Do you agree?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I think as long as it's legal, uh, which, I mean, fingers crossed it stays because it's fun. And uh, we have enough uh, party pooping of fun and hockey. Oh, yeah. As just, don't put, so... just
0: don't put torts in charge and we'll be fine.
1: but yeah i i I think that we're going to be seeing more and more michigans because every single like like canadian american hockey fan child in the world that is watching watching players like bedard and zegras pull off these moves is going to go outside and spend the next two hours practicing the exact same maneuver on their net in their driveway right like this is, this is just how it goes. Like when I, when I was growing up, right, it was like Crosby's Ovechkins carry prices of the world that were like the main state that you like pretended to be on the school playground and, it, 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 and in gym class when you're playing whatever sport it is. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think the, the, the Michigan is one of those like, cult type of hockey moves that you're gonna see a lot of people practicing and i don't think it's going anywhere which is delightful to me i always really enjoy watching them and if they can throw a wrench into into the calm defensive systems that we've seen kind of evolve over the last like 10 years in the nhl and adding more skill and more uh overall chaos i'm i I like chaos in hockey in general. It's fun. Absolutely. I think as a yeah. as a scout, scouts love chaos. Coaches do not. That is where you <laughs> yeah. find a big difference. But absolutely. I think as a scout, the Michigan uh, gets a big thumbs up from me and makes uh, hockey a lot more fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the reason we've seen an uptick in people and players being able to pull off this move is because we like this started with like Sidney Crosby in like 2003. Like yeah. he, he did it. So then players in the mid to late 2000s like did like one or two a year. And then the more you go on, the more like that's how that's how moves get popularized. That's how things become integral parts of the game. It's like the it's like the Patrick King of getting Kuznetsov, like go behind the net and then like reverse it the other way. That was a rare move until everyone started doing it. And then it was like a a signature move for any good playmaker. I think the Michigan is going to be the same for kind of skilled forwards, um, danglers and goal scorers like this is going to be um, another way that that players find in order to maximize their opportunities to score goals. That's the thing with NHL coaches is as they like, as the era of like, keep it simple, good old, good old Canadian hockey. Like as, as that school of thought collapses onto itself and dies like a neutral star, like we're going to see more of the, like if it works, it works type of coaching. And I think that's going to be so good for the, for the game. Like, any, any coach that looks at the Michigan and goes, I don't like the way you scored that goal. Like, that's a goal. No complaints. Stop. Like, that's it. Right?
1: And it looked so. awesome. Like, oh, no. How, how, <laughs> how dare you make awesome play? Like, if, yeah. if if in soccer or football, sorry. If in football you score a goal uh, from, like, like, what, like 30 yards out and it's just like an absolute bomb. And usually when you attempt that shot, it just goes way over the bar or right into the, the keeper's mitts it's a wasted opportunity or wasted possession. If it goes in and your coach is like yelling at you about it, it's like, what do you mean? It went in, it went, yeah, it went exactly. into the net, right? It worked. And uh, in, in hockey, there's more of a philosophical discussion about like the, the morality behind even attempting like style point uh, type of goals.
0: Yeah. The only <laughs> thing I'd say to that is, is, you know if you're scoring from 30 yards like you're not maximizing an area of of the of the field no. that's that's not really utilized like if if you're going behind the net and scoring a michigan like you're you're maximizing the space you have to score goals on the ice like it's an actual yeah. tactical advantage to have a player who can do the michigan like it just it shifts Certainly, oh my god for sure and i think i think it would be funny for the like for the future of nhl like one rule i would change in the nhl is i would like to see I would see. I would like to see players be allowed to lift the back of the net and and make a play through it, like not necessarily bank it off the goalie. That's so end, boring. But That's but like, so Im- imagine boring. Imagine if you could no. just lift the back of the net and oh. make a pass. Like I think that would be great. Yeah. Like,
1: I said, like the trapezoid rule or something. Like I like I want to <laughs> see a goaltender be allowed to move anywhere on the ice where he pleases. I, wanna, I want it I want to be legal for a goaltender to carry the puck up the ice cross yeah. the center line and gain the zone with a, with control
0: that I agree because, with. But removing the
1: trapezoid like,
0: removing the trapezoid is how is how you get like 10 years of two one hockey games in, 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 uh, in New Jersey. Like that's how you get full on trap hockey. And I'm I'm not a fan of that, but yeah, no, it's it's.
1: I just I just love when goalies are far from their nets. I think it's really fun, <laughs> and I don't like, like that water. the NHL uh, tries to stop that because I think it's entertaining. And yeah. the more you can get Steve Gedangle to yell about goalies, the better, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But that are up, up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. If you're watching on your if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first list of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today that got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports. And make sure to tune in for our world juniors coverage as that starts very, very soon. We'll have some recaps for you, some breakdowns of the games, all that coming up as the
1: weeks go on. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.